This morning, we're super excited to have uh, Eric come and share. Eric uh, came to us many years ago. Uh, He had three kids and a wife, and he had a big calculator, and he worked for Boeing. And uh, they moved from Texas, uh, Houston, right? They moved from Houston out here. And uh, we're super excited at what God's done in his life, bringing him to faith and uh, changing his course that he would leave the... uh, that world behind, and now he is serving with Slavic Gospel in the former Soviet Union, uh, as well as uh, part of a church plant. And uh, um, where is it? I knew it was one of the that, what he said, uh, right? What he said, and he's going to come and share. He's part of us. He's not uh, a missionary that we bring in. He's part of our family. He's visiting with us. So come ahead, Eric. I don't have the brain power of Kevin, so I have to have some notes here. That's why I went into the international ministry. (laughs) It is an absolute joy to be with you all. Um, I bring you greetings from Bob Provost, and I bring you greetings from my church, uh, River's Edge Bible Fellowship, who uh, has already had their worship service this morning. I bring you greetings from Victor and Valya Korshinov, uh, from people over in all of, throughout the lands of Russia, and I, I guess I'm going to bring you greetings from Christy and Anna because they've been farm farm clubbed out, and uh, so they're in the different events. You know, I, I have to admit, I guess this is something I didn't share during the first service, but I, I have to admit that as I stand before you, uh, I hope that what you see is a redefinition of what you expect from a missionary. Um, when I, and, and I say this because I know Craig Jackson's here, when I joined uh, the men's Bible study, uh, this would be almost 13 years ago with Scott Vaughn and, and the rest of the guys, um, I, um, I was really distant from God. I was one of those guys that grew up in a church and was really happy with showing up on Sunday and then pretty much living the way I wanted to during the week. Uh, the Lord really... Uh, did a great work in my heart bringing me out here uh, to Bear Valley Church. And it was shortly after coming to Bear Valley Church uh, that the Lord uh, convicted my heart, and I realized I wasn't saved. You know, it wasn't enough just to show up at church. It just wasn't enough to um, go through the motions of claiming a Christian faith. It needs to be transformational. And as Anna was just singing, you needed to delight in the Lord. Because the Lord is doing great things and continues to do great things. And I got my first John MacArthur study Bible at the men's group, and we began mixing it up and studying through the Word of God. And as the Word of God impacted my heart, I found myself more and more wanting to tell others. So I got involved in the missions committee. Uh, I got involved in making trips down to Mexico, a couple of trips over to Russia. And, oh, by the way, I was going to Russia as part of the space program. So that's where that connection is, that international connection. And and little by little, the Lord led me uh, to leave my career behind and go into missionary work. So as I was leaving into missionary work, I remember some of the guys in the men's Bible study said, this is going to be really cool because you're going to go into ministry and all you're going to do every day long is study the word and have this great spiritual experience. Well, I can tell you I've worked longer hours 
and 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 traveled more and and in some ways physically suffered more than I have ever done in my entire life. But what I found out is just because you're a missionary and and you go to a foreign land, you don't just magically become spiritual. Just because you go to another country doesn't mean that you have special gifts at sharing your faith. What it means is that's where God's placing you to be a witness of the gospel. You see, I'm not going to stand here today and give you all kinds of examples of how either to be a missionary or how to be more vibrant in, in, in sharing your faith, to give you a four-step process uh, for sharing your faith, a, a great process for being a missionary. I'm going to tell you this simple truth. If you are not delighting in the Lord, if you are not in a loving relationship with God, it doesn't matter whether you're a missionary or you're just someone here today. You can't express what's not in your heart. You see, the secret that I've learned over these last few years is the ability to communicate your faith. Faith, first and foremost, comes from a heart rejoicing in the Lord. If your heart is sad, usually what comes out of your mouth is sadness. If your heart is distracted into other idols, what comes out of your mouth and what you talk about most of the week are those other idols. And they come in various forms. However, like Anna was singing, if you delight in the Lord, then you just, like a high school kid in love, you you just can't wait to tell someone about the person you're in love with. I learned that from the field, but I also learned it from this church. And so allow me to share these things back with you. And I hope they, they stir your heart that you would not be shaken by this world, but you would be stirred with compassion for the lost. Because certainly this is why God has saved you. For His glory and for His word among the nations. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you could open them up to Acts chapter 17. We're going to be in Acts chapter 17, and then at one point we'll be slipping over to Psalm 40. But we'll be starting in Acts chapter 17. Acts 17, uh, starting in verse 16, uh, you know that the uh, Apostle Paul was having a, a, a poor greeting in the previous cities that he had been a part of. Actually, it went pretty well in Berea, but the thugs just decided to chase him down in Berea and send him along. So he's, he, left, uh, he left Timothy and, and, and Silas behind and had asked for someone to go get them. And so he had time. He had time on his hands in Athens. And so we pick that up in verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what? does this babbler wish to say? Let me stop there. What does this babbler wish to say? I don't know what you guys would think if someone referred to you as a babbler. Uh, but the Greek word of being a babbler gives you the picture of like a crow that was on the ground picking up 
little bits and pieces of random things to to put in their nest. And so when they called when they called Paul a babbler, they looked upon him as a fool. Someone who was grabbing bits and pieces of information to stitch together some crazy philosophy. You see, they were the Stoic and Epicureans, ones that either said you had to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, that's the Stoics, or the Epicureans said all there is in life is pleasure. And you've got to seek pleasure. It doesn't sound much different from today, does it? And, and, you, and you have them looking upon Paul sharing the gospel, and they said, this guy's a babbler. He's talking about the resurrection. He's talking about Jesus being God. This is, this is silly. In fact, they, they referred to him, as you see it reads on. Others said it seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities. They, they're basically talking about lesser gods. And so they look upon Paul and saying, you're a fool. But we're so ready to be entertained by you. You just, you just go on. We've got to hear what you have to say. In high school and in college, you start talking about your faith, they think you're a babbler. It's like, really? I mean, is the gospel, is that the best you come up with? That's, that's kind of Sunday school stuff. Move on to higher learning. The laws of our country preclude us from openly sharing our faith, often in the workplace. And when we do, often the answer is, you're just babbling. That's just your personal feeling. Jesus is your personal God. My God is something else. And if you want Jesus, that's just going to be fine. And so when people look upon us, when we share our faith as babblers, what's our response? Do we just say, you know what? I'm going to be a secret agent Christian. I'm going to put my Christian ID card in my pocket, and I'm going to hide that away, and I'm going to break it out on Sunday so my friends know I'm a Christian on Sunday. And the rest of the week, I'm going to hide it because I really don't feel good about people calling me a babbler. Or maybe what you do is you take that gospel that's so offensive, and you say, well, I want to change a few things. You know, if you want to pray to the God of your choice, you can. All religions are the same pathway to God. So you just start diluting the gospel into something that says, hey, now this person's making sense. And so there's all these different reactions we can have. Here's the problem. God remains God, and the truth of the gospel remains the truth of the gospel, regardless of, of who we think we are or what we say, because God is God and we are not. And when we contort his message, we only twist up the truth instead of teaching the truth. So we can't fall victim to what people think and what people say. But instead, when we delight in the Lord, it's the first thing on our mind. There's a picture that I want to show you. Let's see if we get that up there. Outstanding. Um, Kevin, I want to take you there because Boy Makman, his first move will to give you a holy kiss. And I want to see how you deal with that. Um, it, you have to learn the, the bob and weave, and it works out well. But Boyamakman is there in the living room. He's there in the living room in the house that he was born in. This is a dirt-walled house with clay walls, and Boyamakman has 11 children. His children are actually gathered together to sing us a song in Tajik. Uh, he lives in, in Tajikistan, just north of Dushanbe. And he was, a couple weeks ago, getting out of a public transportation van. And as he and his two daughters on the left there 
were getting out of the van, a young man came screaming around the corner, lost control of his car, hit the side of the van, threw them 30 yards, and they ended up in a hospital in a coma for days. So he was in a coma for days. Uh, Everyone was brokenhearted. He's a very beloved man, but you need to know he's the only Christian in an entirely Muslim village. When we're in Tajikistan, you have a 1,000 believers and 6.4 million Muslim. And they respect him for the life that he lives. So when he came to, he asked the doctors what had happened. And so the doctors began to explain what had happened to him and what had happened to his girls. And he called for the young man to come. And the young man was afraid and he didn't know what was going to happen. And this is what happened. Boy Makman turned to him and he said, I forgive you, but I want you to know that God has brought you into my life so that I can share the gospel with you. Not only did he forgive him, but he asked the young man to kneel at his bedside so that he could pray a prayer of blessing for this young man, that he would turn away from his reckless life and turn to Christ. You see, even in his pain, even in his wiped out condition, All he could think about was the one that he loved, who was Jesus. He could not think about the failure of this young man. He could only think that that young man needs to hear the gospel. And if this is how God was going to bring this young man into his life, then that was how he was going to communicate that truth. You know, I stand before you as a a pastor of a small church. I stand before you as a missionary. I stand before you as an engineer and just a guy. And I can give you all kinds of ideas about how to share your faith. But as I just got through mentioning, if you don't delight in the Lord, that won't be your response. And and I struggled after I heard that and read the letter thinking, wow, you wiped out my girls, you know, and and, and hurt them. What would have been my answer? Um, I... I honestly struggled thinking I, I probably wouldn't have been so gracious, but, it, but my heart was convicted by the fact that his th- first thought was the gospel because he absolutely loved the Lord. How about the Apostle Paul? Beaten, thrown down, scourged, chased from town to town. And what does he do when he shows up in the town? He does the one thing that gets him beaten and scourged because he can't do anything else. He's in love. Sounds like a bad movie, but he's in love. And he can't wait to tell people about his love life with God by telling of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I ask you to look back at Acts chapter 17. And if, you, if you're t- taking notes, I'm going to give you three points. The three points are open your eyes, open your heart, and open your mouth. So the first one that I want you to see is to open your eyes. It says in verse 16, Now while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, and you only need to go that far. You see, so much of the time we live our life between the rails. We're godly on Sunday, and then we live how we want during the week, and then somehow we think we'll pick up a little extra grace on Sunday again. And we don't find ourselves living that Christian life in every attribute of our life. Well, the Apostle Paul was waiting for Timothy and Silas. He had been having a difficult time. 
He had been preaching the gospel, but he had gone through all kinds of chaos. He was in a different land. Uh, He was trying to sort things out, and he's waiting. You see, what was Paul doing when he was waiting? We look at 17.23. So we look at, at I'm sorry, verse 23, and it says, For as I passed along, and Paul's talking to the, the men of Athens at the Oropagus, and he says, For I passed along and observed objects, the objects of your worship. And in English, it's the word observed, which really is, is kind of light compared to the Greek word. The Greek word there says that he examined over and over and over. In fact, you know, he'd pick up these objects of worship and it wasn't that he was inspecting them for quality. It's that he studied the society. He, he looked at them and he, and he looked at their objects of worship and he found out what the people were chasing after. Were they chasing after money and wealth? Did they, did they want prosperity? Were these people praying to a fertility God because they wanted bigger families? Were they praying to the God of agriculture so that their needs would be met? Were they praying to these different gods to get the desires of their hearts? They had all these different gods that were the center points of their life. And the more that they prayed to these gods, the more they put trust in the things of this world to find answers. And so the Apostle Paul, in his effort, took the time to look at what people were doing, to understand what they were doing. I don't know if you remember in Romans chapter 1 these words. Romans chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the mortal God for images resembling mortal man and the birds and animals and creeping things. And you can almost see Paul's heartbreak when he's writing this letter to the Romans. He says, you're just, you're not going to believe it. Everything about God was obvious. Last night I was in Pasadena and I was set at a table for Children's Hunger Fund and less, less, uh, sitting next to me, by God's grace, was a professor from Caltech. And this professor from Caltech studied the oceans and climate change. And we talked about how you could look at the world around us and see such incredible order. And he said, it's amazing to see such order and such structure to this world. But as I listened to his voice, it it was clear that he didn't believe that God did this. And so we began talking and, and, and sharing. And he was a scientist. He was an intelligent man. And he could see it. But claiming to be wise, he became a fool. And he looked at this and said, this couldn't be from God. This is the work of random chance over years and years. And I sat there brokenhearted and said, look at the planets. Look at the creation of every human life. How can you not see it crying out to God? This was the Apostle Paul. In all his journeys, his heart was crying out. If you go to the next slide, this is Valentina. Valentina is one who who looked at the world around her, saw nothing but despair, and she held fast to one God, and that God was Lenin. She was a political officer during communism, uh, days of communism. 
But after the, uh, the wall went down, her life became more difficult. She used to help produce the weapons to destroy America. And she hated Americans. She hated Westerners. The only pride and joy she had were her two sons. Her two sons were killed in a car accident a few years before that. And out of despair, she became the Soviet Union that she had put all of her hope in is gone. And Lenin is in a tomb and her boys are gone. And she moved into drinking and despair and began to wipe out her life. And she wanted to hang herself. And she had brought over a stool and she had put a rope over the chandelier and she had got everything prepared to hang herself. And she was all ready, but there was a knock at the door. And believe it or not, it was a friend that she had known that attends a local church. And she didn't hang herself, but she didn't believe. She went on in this time of despair. And then there on a missions trip, where I had taken teenagers over from Illinois, we were walking back from a baptism. And I was a little nervous because we're walking back. I've got all the kids with me. And this drunk lady walks up to me and she gets in my face and she starts screaming and saying, I don't know what, she was speaking Ukrainian. And I was the only one that didn't speak Ukrainian except for the kids I brought. And I said, no, you got to talk to this Ukrainian pastor. You've got to go over and talk to this person. Please, please, someone help me. Someone else take care of this lady. And she said, no, I have to talk to you. Well, an interpreter came over and I began talking to her and she began sharing her story. And we talked for quite some time and she talked about all this and she went home and changed. I said, why don't you come to our worship service? And we didn't think she'd come back. And she went and put her best clothes on. And she had well sobered up and she came back to the church service. And during the service, she heard the gospel preached by teenagers during that service. And right after the service, she came forward and dropped down on her knees and cried out to Jesus and accepted Christ in the backyard of a broken down house about 31 kilometers from Chernobyl. In absolute despair, she found absolute delight. Here's the part I want to tell you about. I wanted to pass that on to someone else that I thought was more qualified. I wanted to pass her on to a Ukrainian pastor. I wanted to pass her on to someone that, you know, I was busy. I was on a missions trip. I had these kids to take care of. And I wanted to pass her on. And the Lord said, open your eyes. My heart was broken because I realized here was this lady by God's grace who was going to come to faith that day and she needed to hear the gospel. And by God's grace, she was in my face until I had to share it. But I was ready to pass it on. You see, we need to open our eyes to the world around us. We need to open our eyes and pay attention to the many idols that people are worshiping. We need to open our eyes to the need that is around us. We need to open our eyes to the the people that live next door to us who live down the street. We need to open them fast. Now we need to open our heart. Reading on in verse 16, Paul's spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. The word provoked means to be agitated, to be stirred. And Paul looked upon the helpless state of people 
and it broke his heart. The people that were destroying their lives. The ones that were finding answers in these idols. And it's no different than today, who people find, their, find answers in, in vices such as drinking or drugs. Finding answers just in other people. Or finding answers in, in, in money and you sell your soul for making enough money. Or maybe, or maybe it's not just money, maybe it's recognition and you do it in this church. You feel like you're nobody in your Christian walk unless you attain to a level of some leadership in the church. My friends, leadership in the church is not a measure of spiritual growth. Your humility and your obedience is a measure of spiritual growth. And so, your heart, looking upon the many idols of people, is provoked into action. Matthew 9.36, Jesus said when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. The Greek word is splankna. It means it broke his heart. He had pity and remorse. Do you feel that? When you drive into Tehachapi and you're walking through one of the stores and you see people with broken lives and maybe using foul language and maybe they don't smell so good and their clothes are different than you and they look pretty rugged, do you think, Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that tax collector, a sinner. And do you grab your kids and put them together and you move them out of the way and say, at least I'm not that bad. I go to church, for heaven's sakes. Or or do you look on that person and are you broken? Are you distressed? Are You look at that person as being lost and on their way to hell and you have the ability to save them. If a young child ran out in the street, how many of you would stand by the roadside and say, you're too busy to pull him away from in front of a car? Would you just let him hit? If you could wade out into waist-deep water to rescue a drowning child, would you let him drown because you're too busy having your sandwich on the beach? Of course not. You would go save the kid. So here you are today, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you have the delight of the Lord, the one who has brought you out of the pit into his marvelous light, and there are people around you. Do you just say the job of being missionary or those that go to a foreign country? Or do you say, God raised me as a worker for the harvest, which he has done? And that was one of the, the, the most difficult lessons for me to learn. Because if your heart is not stirred to action, you can, you can listen to all the missionaries. You can look at all the different methods to share your faith. It doesn't mean anything. Because if your heart is not broken for the lost, you're not going to share. If you're not in a loving relationship with God, you're not going to want to tell. And most certainly when you're in a Muslim country where they think it would honor God to kill you, you're not going to tell unless your life is forfeit and you can't wait to tell about the one you love. Well, here's the telling part. Number three is opening your mouth. So here's what Paul said in verse 17. So, based on the fact that he was waiting there and his spirit was provoked within him, he reasoned, which means that he discussed with him. He didn't debate, but he actually discussed for the purpose of gaining resolution or or, or gaining their buy-in. He reasoned with them in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. 
You see, the Apostle Paul, if it said he reasoned in the synagogues, that might be interesting. But, you know, he went on and he was in the marketplace. He's walking down the street. He's in Home Depot. He's in Kmart. He's in the Bear Valley Market. He's walking down the street. And everyone that he meets, he's reasoning them with them for the sake of the gospel. Now, it says that Paul's spirit was provoked within him. It means it was stirred. Any of you guys seen a pond full of water and it's been settled for a while and you start to stir it up? Does it make it cleaner to stir it up? What happens? It gets a little bit murky usually, right? Especially if it's soft mud on the bottom. It starts getting murky. So here's my question. When you're provoked to action, what comes out of your heart? When you get agitated, when something really bothers you, is it anger? Is it a sense of expectation? Don't bother me. What is it that is provoked within you? A lot of times, the old adage is, you don't know what's really in an orange until you squeeze it. The juice may be good or the juice might be bad. But until you put it under pressure, you're not going to find out what's on the inside. So we need to think about what does it mean to be stirred? Jesus, is in his teachings in Luke 6.45, says this, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance, which is like saying out of the overflow of a heart, the mouth speaks. So here's what happens. Just like a little kid, not a little kid, let's, we'll, we'll do the high school thing. Okay, you, you guys think, well, I'm in love, and, and you keep it really quiet when you're in love, right? You don't tell anyone, you don't post it on Facebook, you, none of that, right? You just keep it real quiet, right? And you adults, yeah, I'm embarrassing them, but you're the same. You know, when you were first uh, getting to know someone into a relationship, you couldn't wait to tell everyone about the relationship you were in, and, you, and, your, and your heart's pouring out, and it's overflowing, But if you find yourself during the week talking about a thousand different ills and a thousand different problems, it's probably because as your heart gets stirred up, that's what's coming out. Turn to Psalm 40, if you would. To King David. You know the guy that was chased around with the spears and had to live in caves? And he he was to be king, but Saul wasn't happy with that. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, song of praise to our Lord. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord, but blessed is a man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud or to those who go astray after a lie. You see, There's no evidence that he's talking about his enemies there. David is in despair and unbelief. He feels like he's in a pit and he can't get out. He he his emotions are in the bottom. This if if he were to continue on, this is what you would call depression. Where where no matter how hard David worked, 
He just seems to sink into the mud and he tried and he tried and he tried. And the more he struggles, the more he drops down, the more he feels like he's failing. This miry bog is the idea of a slimy walled pit. And the deeper and the deeper you go, the more you are in remorse. But it says that God, he drew me up from the pit of destruction and out of the miry bog and set my feet on a rock, making my Steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth and a song of praise in my heart. And, and so he says, look, I was lost and now I'm found. I was in the pit, but God lifted me out and he put me on sure ground and guided my steps. I, I was in a tragedy, but now I am not. And you see, it's like the Apostle Paul when he was writing to the Ephesians, when he talks about salvation in Ephesians chapter 1, he says it's all to the praise of the glorious God. And, and, and there's this explosion from your heart, this new song of salvation. See, if your heart is delighting in the Lord like Anna was singing earlier, if your heart is truly delighting in the Lord, you can't wait to tell someone. You can't wait to tell someone about the one you love. So look at Psalm 40, verse 5. This is the result of David. He says, You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds, and your thoughts towards us none can compare. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. The word proclaim talks about standing on a street corner. And the word tell is like a one-on-one conversation. So David says, If I'm in the public, I'm going to proclaim. And if I'm with people like my friends, I will tell. But in every case... I am going to tell of the one who brings me joy. And it will be overwhelming. You remember Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were thrown in prison and they decided to have a praise night. That they were beaten down and scourged and wiped out. And they could have felt sorry for themselves, but instead they started praising God. Why? Because they aren't devi- they're not going to be defined by their circumstances, but by their Savior. And they couldn't wait to tell. And the result was a church was planted as they converted, saw the conversion of the jailer. So why am I telling you this? I am telling you this because we're in the midst of a lost and lonely world. There's not only people who are lost in the lands of Russia. Go two slides if you could for me. But there are people that want to hear. That's Anna a couple years ago. Um, the kid with the back to you was just saying, you know, God's a joke. You guys are babblers. And they were sharing with him for over an hour in the middle of Freedom Square, downtown Kiev, Ukraine. There's a lot of people that are wasting away with no hope. Jesus had compassion and say, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he raises up workers for the harvest. The funny thing about the harvest, because now I live in Illinois, the cornfield doesn't come to you. You actually have to go to the cornfield. So if you've got all these great combines and implements and you sit at the barn and say, okay, let the harvest begin. It's not going to work out so well. You actually have to get in your combine. You actually have to go into the harvest. So I would tell you, my friends, it's not about a missionary coming and telling you about taking the gospel to foreign lands. It's about the reality that if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He has raised you up as workers for the harvest. I am so grateful to God that this church supports Christy and Anna and I in ministry. But I don't want to talk about me. I want to tell you about my Savior who I love. 
And I want you all to proclaim his name's name among the nations because you know what? He's coming again soon. But until then, let us tell. Let us proclaim. Let's pray. Father, your word is true. The hope that you give us is sure. You continue to challenge our hearts, to move us beyond what we feel is normal into a point in which we are uh, humble before you. That we would not be comfortable with the way things are, that we would be stirred and provoked, stirred and provoked to, to make a difference. Father, you have raised us up for such a time as this, and I pray from the midst of this congregation come more, more missionaries, more workers from the harvest, more who claim you as their Savior. Father, we thank you for your word that we are reminded to be prompted to action, to be stirred to action, but not to be shaken. We thank you for the gift of grace that you've afforded us in Jesus Christ. For there is no other way to a relationship with you except through him. We honor you in this day and glorify you in this day. And it's in your precious son's name that we pray. Amen. Sharing God's word with us this morning. Uh, this is, we're talking about the good news, and uh, we're going to share in a time of communion where we remember what the Lord has done for us. If the men uh, who are going to help me serve would come forward now. The Lord called on us to remember uh, Him, remember Him, and remember specifically what He did on the cross and in the resurrection uh, for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That was the state of our heart uh, apart from what Christ had done. You skip down in Ephesians a few verses. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This is what we celebrate here today as we uh, spend some time remembering his body and his blood uh, that was shed for us. I'd ask that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that this time is for you, no matter what part of uh, what church you're a part of. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, we thank you for coming here today. And we ask that you would reflect on where you're at with the Lord. Uh, Use this time to go before him. Uh, He is not done saving people, and we're so excited that you could hear the good news of the gospel even today. Please hold on to the bread, and we all partake together um, as everyone is served. 